When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Monday, January 28th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 299 featuring the Action Network's Matt Moore is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Get your new wireless plan and free shipping on the SIM card for just $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash podcast. Show's also brought to you by 1 in 100. You want to buy tickets at an affordable price? Just log on to onein100.co. Welcome into another edition of Celtics Beat. And, you know, when I pushed off our normal Sunday release to today, it was with the intention of talking a whole lot about the loss to the Warriors, where the Celtics stand in their chase for a championship, all of it, and we'll get there. But right now, far more pressing matters after a huge Woj Bomb Monday morning. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski went nuclear, woke everybody up early on with a series of tweets about a top five player in the NBA. Y'all know who I'm talking about. He wrote, Agent Rich Paul has notified the New Orleans Pelicans that all NBA forward Anthony Davis has no intention of signing a contract extension if and when presented and that he has requested a trade. Davis could sign a five-year $240 million contract extension this summer and could become a free agent the summer of 2020. Paul told ESPN on a preferred destination of Davis, Anthony wants to be traded to a team that allows him the chance to win consistently and compete for a championship. So if you're a C's fan, I have to imagine... You are, you're listening to this, then you're well aware Boston cannot deal for Davis till July 1st because of that designated player rule, the Rose rule, unless, of course, the team is willing to trade Kyrie Irving. Now, it's not, and he's not signing an extension early. It would cost him tens and millions of dollars. So, lots to get into with Matt Moore from the Action Network. Bring Matt in now, and Matt, NBA trade deadline rapidly approaching February 7th, less than two weeks away. What's your main takeaway from all this news? Well, uh, I think... For starters, I think it's it's definitely it's like it, it finally puts an end at least to the speculation because Davis had not actually requested this before. All the speculation um, was built around reports that other teams wanted Davis, and so this is now a final and clear like change to okay, like he wants out, and that's it. Um, it's it's pitched as we want to be you know clear and we want to be upfront with them, um, and this is you know an agent on record and this is a power play by Rich Paul um, is what it is. There's nothing about this is not about like, oh, we want to be clear and up front because okay, you can inform the Pelicans, but then leaking it to the press, you've just destroyed all of New Orleans's leverage. Mm-hmm. All of it. It's gone. So um, New Orleans now has to take a lesser deal for Davis. Uh, they don't get to negotiate in good faith. 
Um, and Paul continues to take more and more steps to just basically flaunt each and every rule and, and do whatever he wants because he's LeBron James's agent. And that's the biggest takeaway, I think, from a big picture perspective. You know, small picture, um, the bidding is going to be on. And now a lot of teams are going to have a really tough decision to make. They're going to have a really tough decision to make. Um, you know, uh, because, look, the Lakers are going to put out there and put their platter of non-impressive young players and non-impressive picks. Uh, and then the Celtics are stuck on the sideline. Um, basically going like, if you wait, <laughs> if you wait, you know, we're, 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 we're happy to go ahead and put together a better offer. Um, and then, uh, you know, a lot of teams I think are going to have to, you know, weigh, all right, do we, do we do a, a, a deal that gets us a top five player in the NBA, but we don't know if we can keep him because if you're a team that, you know, you win, but you don't win super consistently, um, you're not like a, and you're not like uh, a premier franchise with, like the Lakers or the Celtics or the Warriors. If you're not a premier franchise, can you keep him if you trade him? If you trade for him, and so that's going to be the question now: is does somebody really get bold like OKC did and say, "All right, we're going to take a shot and believe that our culture is good enough to retain this player"? Uh, I think the list of those franchises is, is very short. Um, I think, if anything, this just <laughs> this puts the Lakers in prime position. All right, so let's start there because there's a lot, obviously, to cover. And, you know, Rich Paul, like you said, he's LeBron James' close friend. He's his agent. He's incredibly powerful. How much is this a, a trade to L.A. possibility or even likelihood? How much is that driving this situation? Because I, I can't imagine Davis, and we know there, there have been reports of growing frustration, but I can't imagine he just up and decided, that's it, I need out right now. I, I tend to think that he did. Like all indications I've gotten from talking to people is that Davis really was a guy that wanted to make it work, and that he's not the type of guy to be like uh, to be to to be like you know voicing his frustration and and p- applying pressure. He's not really built that way. Um, I think probably hiring Rich Paul was part of this. It was like a long term kind of view of okay, if I want out, I'm, I need somebody who can negotiate this for me because I don't want to deal with it. And now, you know, and, and, and Rich Paul will will do that because Paul has zero regard for <laughs> for anything. <laughs> he just doesn't care. <laughs> um, he, he's basically like LeBron, LeBron James' agent, so I get to do what I want. Um, you know, I, I don't think I, – I think from Davis's perspective, uh, he probably knew I, – I do. here's what I wonder. I wonder how much of this is, is about Boogie Cousins. That's actually one of my biggest questions is how much of this gets to – Davis looked at them not bringing back DeMarcus Cousins last year. They made this huge trade, traded for Cousins, had a team, had it going. Cousins gets injured, and they don't bring him back for whatever reason. For whatever reason, the Pelicans did not bring Cousins back. Um, and I wonder how much of that had an impact on Davis saying, look, if, if you're not going to keep the guy, this all-star that I'm friends with, I know from Kentucky, if you're not going to keep that guy, then what are we doing here? I wonder how much that had an impact. Even though they played better without Cousins? Yeah, because, you know, you have to think about it from Star's perspective, and Star's perspectives aren't, they don't, you know, Anthony Davis is not on StatsIMBA.com looking at on-off numbers. <laughs> you know, he's not, you know, he's not breaking down, you know, the analysis. He's not looking at, hey, what was our record without without Boogie? Stars want like, stars. Yeah, and they want, not only that, but they want stars that they're friends with. They want right. guys that they like. 
um, and and they'll talk themselves into players that aren't as good if they're friends with them. Like LeBron's done this for years. So uh, I think from that perspective, it, it's I, I wonder if uh, if Cousins not being resigned had an impact there, and I also wonder if you know. If at some point Davis just saw the start they got off to this year and was like, this is just never going to work. Celtics are, are literally the only team in the league that can't trade for Davis right now because of that stupid Rose rule. And Danny Ainge also so happens to be the man who may want him the most in the league outside of retaining him in New Orleans. So there is a cruel irony there. But beyond that, could the timing of this request or demand, call it whatever you want, suggest that Davis doesn't actually want to come to Boston? Is this just all bad for the Seas? Um, it's not all bad. You know, the, the Pelicans can look at the situation and this is a very good possibility. And we'll say, okay, well, this is going to be horrible. Thanks for ruining our season and our franchise. (laughs) Appreciate it. Um, and then say, look, you've damaged our leverage so bad that we're just going to wait. If we trade him now, we'll actually have, we will have less, leverage than we will on July 1st. Usually you wait and your your leverage diminishes, but with the Pelicans, I think that they're just going to be like, we're not going to do it until the summer. And they wait, and then they get the Celtics involved. And what that does is it's not just that it puts whatever Ainge is willing to put on the table, which, don't get me wrong, is a, point, a painful process of trying to get, you know, squeeze blood from stone from Danny Ainge, but at least the Celtics will be able, you know, at the very least, the Celtics will put Jalen Brown as a premier piece, who's probably a better player than anybody, than any of the young players they're likely to get offers for. Um, now they'll still take calls, but they may be like, let's just wait. And then if there's something that they're trying to get and the team is like, well, we're not giving you that. You don't have any leverage. They can wait until Boston and say, well, look, Boston offered this. It's better than what, you, than what you're offering. So unless you give us what we want, we're going with Boston. You know, that can maybe get the extra deal out. The problem then is, you know, if you're if you're a short-term team, if you're trying to shoot this gap, if you're like, look, it's very likely he leaves. It's probable that he leaves in free agency. But you're like, but we might be able to make a run over this year and next. If you're like, we can make a run this year and next year, and if we win a title, we might resign him. Okay, well then that you know now it, it puts the question of like if you, if you lose out on this next three months you lose one of your windows. And what I'm talking about there is like the Clippers, basically any team in the West, you know, like any, there's really no team in the East that you look at and say, uh, outside of the Raptors, uh, there's no team in the East that you would look at and say, Ooh, you know, they, like they could really make a run if they got Anthony Davis, mm. you know, I, I mean, Milwaukee, maybe, and they're an interesting one. And Milwaukee's an interesting example in this situation. And this is not based on Intel. This is just me talking. Sure. Um, like, if they if they go out and they say, okay, uh, we'll give you Eric Bledsoe, we'll give you Chris Middleton, uh, we'll give you because they have George Hill and they have Tony Snell as a, as like backups, um, you know, we'll give you those two guys. We'll give you two unprotected first rounders, and yeah, like that's like a way better offer, a way better offer than hey, here's Kyle Kuzma and <laughs> Josh Hart. And Brandon Ingram, who's basically like Andrew Wiggins if he was skinnier, um, you know, that combo, like that's, that's just a better option. Now, he might leave, and so Milwaukee might be like, look, we're Milwaukee. I can't give you our unprotected first rounder in the event that Anthony Davis departs after we've given you, you know, three starters. I 
can't do that. Um, and so then, then it becomes a lot tougher, right? If, if they've been able to negotiate kind of under the table, they might have been able to get this done, but not with it being public like this. So, um, like, that's the, the, the big question here is, like, what team is going to come in and say, you know what, screw it. We're going to basically make the OKC deal. Mm. What team is going to say, no, you know what, we think we can keep him. Like, we win. That's what we do. We're, like, we think we're a winning franchise. So we're going to make this trade. And if he stays, awesome. And if he doesn't, you know what, we, we took a shot and we're, we're okay with that. So to me, I'm with you. It, it makes no sense for the Pelicans to move Davis before the summer, I don't think. And I don't say that as someone who'd like to see him in Boston. You know, the Celts want him. They have a great package of picks players Ainge could offer. No team can offer a better deal, as you outlined right now, than it'll be able to manufacture in the offseason anyhow once everyone's aware of picks, protections, how the lottery shakes out. That's a big deal because the team with the number one pick in the draft could conceivably get involved in, in this if if it decided it won Anthony Davis as well. But I do kind of come back to a variety of things, one of which, of course, is, again, the timing. You know, and I'm sort of asking you the impossible of trying to climb into Anthony Davis's head. But the fact that he does, if he wants out now, if the Pelicans say, okay, fine, like, let's just be over this. We're going to trade you wherever we can get the best offer now. We're not worried about waiting until the offseason. Does that, you know, sort of indicate that, coming to Boston is doesn't really matter to him or isn't a priority to him because he knows the situation. Everyone's been talking about it for years. He knows that he can't go there. No, I think that they're just, they're, they're seeking a resolution. Like the, the faster that Davis gets out of, uh, out of a situation where he doesn't want to be and into somewhere, because like for Davis, like just, I don't, I, well, let me put it this way. It said, I will say this. It says that he's not like, I only want to be a Celtic, sure. right? Like I only want to be a Celtic. It says that that's not the case. Um, but I think Davis. I think Davis. If Davis was traded to the Celtics, he would be elated and be like, "This is a winning franchise. I'm ready to continue. Like, I'm ready to win championships. I, you know, the great history of players, Kevin Garnett, blah 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 blah. Like, I think he'd be thrilled. Um, if he wants, if it's true that he wants to win. Now, here's a question: Is that is it true that he wants to win consistently? Is that true, or is this a lifestyle decision? Is this I, I want to be in LA? Mm-hmm. I want to live in LA. You know, and like that's the question. Um, but I think that I, I don't think that knowing that they can't trade for him, I think this was because part of it is look Davis. <laughs> Davis is still going to hold all the power anyway, because um, upon being traded, he's likely he's not going to sign the extension there either. Right. Like it, <laughs> let me put it this way: if the Clippers sold out, if the Clippers were like, "We'll give you Shy Gilgis Alexander, we'll give you um, Montrez Harrell." We'll give you, um, you know, Lou Williams expiring. We'll give you uh, Tobias Harris is expiring. We'll give you two first round picks. Like that's a haul. That's a that's a massive haul. Like stunning prospects, multiple first rounders, expiring contracts, et cetera. Which doesn't actually help New Orleans. They need to not have money on the they need to have money in the books so they don't have to spend it this summer. Uh, but let's say that on the surface that's a really good offer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he goes to L.A. and it's him and Daniel Gallinari and like whatever is left there. <laughs> um, and you know they flame out in the first round or the second round because they wouldn't have much left over. And let's say that Kawhi Leonard doesn't join him in L.A. and Jimmy Butler doesn't sign join him in L.A. Well, at the end of it, he could still just be like, "Well, you know, I appreciate you trading for me, but." Uh, this just hasn't worked out, and I don't feel comfortable here, and I'm leaving. <laughs> like, 
no team is, is like teams will be like we want assurances he'll resign here, and the best they're going to get is we'll consider it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the best that they're going to get. He's he is almost. I would be shocked if he turned down as much money as he would have to to sign an extension. The rules of the CBA don't allow him to sign an extension where it makes financial sense. So he's always going to have the option to walk. And so from that perspective, you know, um, there's not like a, I, I, this doesn't lock him in anywhere if he gets dealt. Um, so I, again, I think that Boston, I don't think is out of it until Anthony Davis is under contract indefinitely. The Pelicans don't owe Davis anything. We've acknowledged that, you know, he's quitting on them effectively and they're in complete control of this situation. How likely are they, do you think, to even negotiate a deal with the Celtics before July 1st, then trusting that they know what they're getting, Boston could draft for New Orleans with multiple first rounders, which would obviously be included, and all of that is hashed out behind the scenes? Or is that just a crazy, hopeful theory on the part of C's fans? No, I mean, it's possible. You know, if he doesn't get, let me put it this way, if he doesn't get dealt before the deadline, then I would say Boston's a likely favorite. Um, it's not a done deal, but nobody nobody has what Boston can offer this summer. They've got so many picks. They've got so many young guys. And, like, the, the big question with Boston, I mean, let me put it this way. If Boston calls Dell Dumps today and says, okay, so you're having a rough day, but I do want to let you know that if you wait, I will put Jason Tatum on the table. Jason Tatum is the centerpiece of any deal that we make. Then if I'm the Pelicans, I'm just like, I'm not taking any other offers. Thank you. We're fine. We'll play out the season. What's the likelihood of that, that Danny Ainge would include Jason Tatum, that Tatum's not untouchable in a deal for Davis? Extremely, extremely low because it's Danny Ainge and has every – executive I've talked to has related to me dealing with Ainge is pulling teeth. It's just, it's excruciating because, you know, Ed, to his credit, he wants to get the best deal. He wants to get the best deal. It's just, um, let me put it this way. If you're talking about, if, like you say, say like you're, you're negotiating a car um, and the car costs 13,000, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the car, the car costs 13,000. You want to buy the car from Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge, you know, like most people are going to be like, hey, we're going to start you out at 14000 Danny Ainge is going to be like, it's 20000 but I'm going to give you cup holders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm going to throw in these these nice – I got you one of the steering wheel covers that's all flames. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is 20000 you know, mud, mud flaps, like, well, everything. Yeah, the whole shebang. Yeah, well, versus most GMs that are like, well, no, it's, like I want I – want, you know, it's fourteen thousand. You eventually end up buying it for like twelve. That's just not how it is with just He starts at twenty and winds up getting it at like eighteen because reality just warps. Um, so, like that's that's the kind of the thing here. But if he, now the difference has been that he has been very upfront. Like the package that he sent for Kyrie Irving at the time was massive. Yeah, an MVP candidate and, and Isaiah Thomas. Sure, he had more information about his hip than most people did, but still. Um, you know, first rounders, like all of these things that Pick he that sent could have for, been number one. Yeah. All these picks that he sent for Kyrie, you know, were, were, that was like a legit offer. And so if he says like, I'm not going to mess around and he is just like, look, I'll give you Tatum. Then if I'm the Pelicans, you know, I would wait and be like, and tell everyone in the league, I need you to beat Tatum. 
You're not getting him unless you beat Tatum. And that effectively takes L.A. out of it. Like, the Lakers do not have a counter. If, if This is the trump card. If Danny Ainge says, I'll give you Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis, the Lakers do not have anything to beat that offer. They can't put anything together to beat that offer. Quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you by 1 in 100. And I'll be honest with you, even I had to look up what 1 in 100 is. So let me tell you about it. Let's say you want to go to the big game. Patriots, Rams, take two. But tickets on the secondary market, they can get hilariously expensive. You want a more affordable way to get in the game? Give 1 in 100 a shot. All you do, log on to onein100.co, that is onein100.co, click the game you want to go to, buy a raffle ticket for your chance to win a pair of tickets. Price of the raffle ticket is just one hundredth of the price of what 1 in 100 paid for the ticket. Still confused? Let's say 1 in 100 paid $1,000 for a pair. Your cost for a raffle ticket? 10 bucks. Only 100 people get to buy a raffle ticket. You have a 1 in 100 chance to win the tickets. Yeah, it's that simple. This is the newest way to buy tickets to sporting events. Cost to potentially score some tickets is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. Score pair tickets for less than the cost of beer. Your first raffle ticket, it's free after signing up. Log on to onein100.co. That's O-N-E-I-N-1-0-0 dot C-O. Feeling lucky? Give it a shot today. All right, let's get back to the show. Let's say Danny Ainge decided that, as I think he would, and I could absolutely be wrong about this, but let's say he decided that Jason Tatum, he's untouchable. He's not going anywhere, even in the package for Davis. And maybe I'm sorely misguided in believing that, but let's just play the game. Do you believe the Celtics can offer the Pelicans the best package for Davis of anybody else, even without Tatum? Yes, because they have the multiple picks, right? Like, um, they can draft, you know, I'll go this way. Those players have value right up until the first game of the summer league Mm -hmm. because they're still conceptual at that point. Like players are most valuable as picks because then it's like they could be anything, right? Mold them however you like. Right. And then um, especially like your, your prospect about a deal being done prior to July 1st is not, like it would get very tricky because the league would be like, you can't do that. And the, the, Celtics, the Celtics and Pelicans would be like, we didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's definitely not what happened. And then Rich Paul would be like, that's definitely what happened. We definitely, I did that. Me, I did that. So, <laughs> so like it would get very ugly. <laughs> no ego there the, at all. Yeah. Because the rest of the league would be like, but that's, that's tampering. Like that's not legal. Like they literally involved themselves in a deal they could not make. And the league would have a very sticky situation on its hands. Um, but, like, they, the answer of can they put the best package together, you know, look, Jalen's, Jalen's value is compromised, and that hurts. You know, if, if this was last summer, it's a whole different deal because then you're just – you're building it around, Jason, you know, Jalen Brown, multiple 30-point games in the playoffs, guy you can build around. Yeah, we're not going to give it to him, but, look, we're going to give Jalen Brown. And, and, like, the – the 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 steering wheel cover that's got flames on it that's Yabuselli. that's what that is it's like hey i'm gonna give it we're gonna give you Yabuselli too uh-huh. um so like you know that i mean that's that's kind of thing a lot of this is going to i will say this like it's it's gonna be tough because the age doesn't have to be forward he doesn't have to be up front because the pelican situation is so damaged now so if if he can keep them from trading him to la then he can slow play it because they're, they are so far ahead of everybody else. Like he can be like, look, I have picks. You know, we, we drafted this guy and this guy and this guy. And I'll give you all three of these young dudes and Jalen Brown. 
um, and whoever else, you know, whatever, whatever player, Al Horford, you know, whoever, Gordon mm. Hayward, um, which I, I don't know if the Pelicans are going to be like, oh, yeah, Gordon Hayward. That's, thanks. Great. Um, <laughs> we'll get to like, Hayward a little later. Yeah, but, like, I don't know if that's going to be what they what gets them going. But Ainge is still going to be able to uh, – uh, he will still be able to make the best offer. Look, Boston fans are as guilty as anyone at overvaluing assets. We know that. We've been doing it around here for decades. But what do you believe the most realistic package that Boston would offer New Orleans looks like? Uh, this is me speculating. Uh, so I would say Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Yabuselli, uh, the Memphis pick, like the Kings pick, would obviously help, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if that if that worked out, that would that would be a big help. Like if they let me put it this way, if like that's the other reason that the Pelicans, I think, have to wait. Is what see if, where what all these the picks Kings fall? Fall, what if, well, what if the Kings fall out of the playoffs, like miss it by one game, and then the lottery guys just and all of a sudden, you know, and all of a sudden the Celtics are like, we have Zion. Like, why would you possibly make a trade? Before knowing whether or not Boston can trade you Zion Williamson, so that's that's another wrinkle in this. Um, like that would be the best offer. Would you do that? By the way, one. like just a devil's advocate, if the Celtics all of a sudden, if Zion fell into their lap, do you trade Zion right. for Anthony Davis? Knowing yeah, knowing everything else, you also have to give up. Yeah, so I think the, the reason you do is. Zion Zion's career trajectory is still going like no matter how good he is he will still be a rookie right and if you put Anthony Davis on the Celtics next season with Kyrie Irving and whoever else you know you've got you a chance going, you have a chance to beat the Warriors you have a chance to win the title versus if you put Zion on it's like you may have the best player in five you know, you may have the best player in the league over the next decade, but there's also, it, it does get tough because it's like, well, we don't know what Zion's career is going to look like. And you can respond to that with, yeah, we don't know what Anthony Davis's injury history is going to look like. Right. And that's a legit, that's a legit counter. And Zion being cost controlled might change the equation a little bit with him on a rookie contract. But I still tend to believe that, that Ainge would see, you know, look, if we get Anthony Davis, Kyrie's not leaving, he's not going anywhere. Like we're contending for titles, so you know that that's part of it. I think. So, what's a Lakers package look like? What's their approach to this situation right now? Also, knowing, of course, the very close immediate ties between Paul and LeBron. Um, it's if we're using the car analogy, it's like a beat up BW bug with a paint faded. Um, that's got engine trouble. That you that for some reason everyone acts is like a BMW. That's <laughs> basically what the comparison is. I mean, look, it's uh, – I would imagine – I would imagine it's one of Ball and Ingram, but not both because they can't clear the cupboard. Like, you can't just be like, oh, we're going to have LeBron and AD and then a bunch of nothing. Um, so it's probably Lonzo or Ingram and then Kuzma or Hart, maybe both, depending on how serious they are. And then, like, a bunch of picks that are going to be in the 20s that are guaranteed to be in the 20s. Mm-hmm. You're not getting a anything of, of value. This is one thing that always bugs me is, like, well, they can offer more picks. It's like, I don't care if you offer me two picks across four years or across three years that are definitely going to be above 20. I'm not getting a rotation player 
I'm getting an end of the bench guy. What does right. this matter to me? Um, so I think that's part of, of the equation as well. Uh, to me, it doesn't look good. If he goes to the Lakers, it's because Rich Paul has applied enough pressure to get him there. Um, there's no reason for the Pelicans, and, and then nobody else stepped up to the plate because they were too scared. You know, that, if if the Lakers get him, it means that the Raptors were like, nope, we're good. And Milwaukee was like, nope, we're good. Um, and everybody on down, Denver was like, nope, we're good. That means they got no better offers. To that end, I mean, those are the two teams we keep talking about naturally, Boston and L.A. But who else is a viable threat to acquire them, you think? who Who's a team that, that isn't going to say, nope, we're good? I do wonder, I, I, let me put it this way, I know Denver will call because Denver just does its due diligence. Um, every team will put, in, will put in an offer. You know, like every team will be like, okay, you know, we'll, let, let's see what we can, let's at least try because you never know. Like there, I just don't imagine any team is going to put out there. There are a couple of interesting ones. Um, the Spurs, I think, are an interesting question. If the Spurs go out and they offer Pau Gasol's expiring contract, and um, if they offer, you know, Dejounte Murray's hurt, but if they include Dejounte Murray in the trade, and they just they waive the, they put the exception on for his ACL injury. Uh, they say we'll give you, you know, Lonnie Walker or Derek White like young players that are underrated and that we've developed plus veteran contracts that you can clear your cap space of. And the Spurs are like, we'll give you multiple first rounders. You know, that's an interesting one because the Spurs are able to say, no, we think we can keep him. Like we have a history of success. If you want a history of success, like come to San Antonio, we win here. Uh, That's an interesting one. I think, you know, Denver will probably go and, like Denver has to be very careful because they've got really good chemistry and they can't afford uh, to blow it up. But they have to put in some sort of offer centered around Jamal Murray or Gary Harris. Probably not both, um, but basically Paul Millsap, Jamal Murray, or Gary Harris. And it would let me put it this way: it would be <laughs> if dealing with Danny Ainge is like pulling teeth. Doing that kind of a deal for GM Tim Connolly in Denver would be like pulling teeth because it would mean. Guys that he has drafted and developed, along with Paul Millsap, the biggest free agent he's ever signed, and everything that they've tried to do to say we take care of players and we take care of our own will be out the door because, well, you can get Anthony Davis. Hmm. And that's I think that would be rough for him to justify. Uh, I wonder what the Kings offer. Like, I, as, as crazy as it may sound, like if the Kings are like, we'll give you Buddy Heald back, um, that looks pretty good. That looks – pretty good right now hmm. so like that's an interesting question um you know toronto i think is a really interesting one you know if, if Masai jury who's always been so aggressive is like is like no one thinks we're keeping Kawhi leonard all right let's see him walk away from anthony davis and he says i'll give you pascal siakam i'll give you serge Ibaka, i'll give you uh or serge, or jonas valanciunas whichever you prefer hmm. young player on a good contract that's been that's been good this season uh, I'll give you Fred Van Vliet or DeLon Wright, whichever one you want. Uh, and I'll give you OG Ananobi. Like, that's you, – you have a young, a young core there to go forward with. Um, that's pretty good. That's, that's a pretty good offer uh, if, you're, if you're the Pelicans. That's, let me put it this way. I would much rather have DeLon Wright, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi than Lonzo Ball – Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell Pope like that that is not something I want um, 
So like those are, I think, the teams that you have to look at. And then I mentioned Milwaukee. You know, if Milwaukee goes and is able to offer something like I mentioned earlier, that's another team. What you have to look at is you have to look at teams that were in OKC's position mm. that they can't get guys to sign there, but they can trade for them and keep them once they're there. Once you've shown them playoff success, you can be like, hey, let's go. If you're looking into your crystal ball, I mean, how do you believe all this unfolds for, for Davis and the Pelicans, especially when you do consider that trade packages, and you kind of just outlined it, rarely return what we all believe is appropriate value? It, I mean, it's very rare, right? And part of it is like, you know, the the Pacers are, are like your ideal situation where you traded uh, your all-star, who's now an MVP candidate, for – um, Oladipo and Sabonis, and at the time it looked horrible, mm-hmm. and then it looked great, and now Oladipo's out for the season with a very serious injury, and he may be ruined again. Um, like that's how quickly the winds of change can, uh, winds of fortune can change your outcome. But I think uh, if I'm looking at it, uh, it's very rare that you get what you want back. It's very rare that you get what you need back. You know, and that's one of the reasons I think the Celtics are important in this is Boston will be able to put together the best package if if he's traded to the lakers or to somewhere for less it just means it shows a level of dysfunction at the top of the pelicans um to not do due diligence and that's you know i don't know what they're how they're going to resolve this because it's a tough situation because there is a point where you're just like man we gotta we gotta we just gotta get this done like it's too much of a distraction everyone's miserable like the office everyone in the offices are miserable like it's just everything's terrible you know, I mean, like imagine if you're trying to imagine trying to sell Pelican season tickets this morning for next year. <laughs> imagine you're in that ticket office. Like these are the things that people people miss out on. Like if you're a GM and you're in these meetings and you're listening and people are like, we can't sell tickets. We like we just can't because everybody knows AD's gone and they don't know what, what we're going to have. Um, and those things impact things. Like if you're walking through the office and just like everyone's somber and down and depressed, like that impacts things. There are all these like. There are all these things that people don't see behind the scenes that impact how organizations have to deal with these kind of situations. So what is the most important decision facing New Orleans right now? I mean, for me, I look at it differently. Like a lot of people would be like, where is it? Where, you know, what, what do you want to target? Or like how, how good is Lonzo Ball? And my thing is like, what's your big picture? Like when you step back and you go, okay, we're about to lose the best player in franchise history, which is not great. Um, this is devastating. This is a low point. Uh, but the bigger question is, like, where do we want to go? As an ownership group, where do we want to go? Uh, and if I'm GM, which I would not be because I you know, <laughs> don't have the experience or ability to do that, uh, but if I were GM, that would be the question I would have for my ownership, which is, look, I can deal with the situation. It's tough. Um, but where do you want to go, regardless of my future? You know, because like this, <laughs> this puts a real damper on Del Demps's chances to keep his job and uh, Alvin Gentry to keep his job, et cetera. Like teams usually don't survive this. Like LeBron left Cleveland and everyone was gone. Um, but I would say, you know, as as my job as as president of, of basketball operations, I need to know where you want to go, and regardless of what that means for me, I'll execute your vision. And if you say I want to build around a singular young star that's already a prospect that we know is good. If you say, I want to build around draft picks. Uh, if you say, I want to build around cap space. Whatever approach you want to direct me, that's what will guide my thinking. Because if you go in and you have a big picture view of what you want to do, 
if you're like, you know what, we're going to get young, like if he's, if he basically, the biggest thing I would do is I would just be like, I would say if, if the GM or if the owner asked me like, well, how do we get back? I would say our best shot is to wait and whoever gets the number one pick, we try and trade with them. Mm-hmm. Um, because the other one I would, I would mention here, uh, it's very unlikely given the records because, uh, like, Atlanta doesn't have – like, Atlanta can't keep him, so they're not going to trade him, right? But if you're the Bulls in a market like Chicago, uh, or especially if you're the Knicks with all of the talk about Durant, and the Knicks land the number one pick, and they have Zion Williamson, why would the Knicks not do a deal for Zion Williamson and Flotsam for Anthony Davis, and they use Anthony Davis to lure Kevin Durant? Like that's 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 the best outcome for all parties involved. The big in big wireless provider stands for a lot of things. Big contracts, big bills and big fees. What big wireless doesn't want you to know is there's a way to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Introducing Mint Mobile, the game changing company that's taken everything wrong with big wireless and made it right. Mint Mobile makes it so easy to cut your bill down to just 15 bucks a month. You can even keep your old number, along with all your existing contacts, with any Mint Mobile plan. There's no more paying for unlimited data that you'll never use. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, plus free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card, go to mintmobile.com slash podcast. That's mintmobile.com slash podcast. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month and get free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card at mintmobile.com slash podcast. Something to think about. Yeah, well, except for the Celtics, exactly. It's going to be a lot to watch for. Davis, obviously, is a superstar. He's 25. He's averaging 29, 13, about three blocks. And also, as we've noted, a year from free agency as well. So there's something to gamble on. But uh, let's touch on a few other things. Let's look outside this issue now, even though it's – that can't impact the Celtics for months. This is more to the present. The Seas recently lost another tough battle with the Warriors, not only a winnable game, but one they should have won. Players can say whatever they want, downplay it as a regular season game, but it was a measuring stick game. It was, and the Celts fell short. The bench horrid, and they were still in it to the end. Brad Stevens here acknowledged that uh, you need to be near perfect to beat the Dubs. We just needed to be more alert to them, and we uh, let our guard down even for a split second, and they made us pay all night when we did that. When we made errors on offense, they made us pay. When when we made errors on defense, they made us pay. So yeah, I thought our guys played really hard. We just You got to lock down all of your controllables to have a chance to beat this team. So Matt, after seeing that game, how far do you believe the Celtics are from being the Warriors, you know, at that level and having a chance to win a seven-game finals? I think that they're, they're within range. They can see it. I think they can see that level that they have to get to. Um, I actually, this is what I would say, and, and this is going to sound crazy to people. Uh, I would say that you have better odds of the Warriors not playing as well as they have and hitting a little bit below that, and that's where Boston can get to. So everyone kind of acts like, well, you're getting the best of the Warriors. Well, the Warriors didn't give their best versus Houston because Houston mucked it up. You know, and one thing we've seen with Golden State consistently is that they don't really respond well to adversity. 
Like, they came back from 3-1 versus the Thunder, but it took Clay Thompson just going supernova insane. It took an absolutely incredible collapse from OKC in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, They have real trouble, I think, when things get hard. They prefer it when things are easy and they can move the ball and they just dominate. Like, they're they're really good at, at embarrassing and dominating teams. And right now they're in a mode where they're playing so well and everybody's so happy and everyone's sharing the ball and everyone's so happy for Boogie and all that that they are, like you saw, how good they are. Um, and even then, Boston has chances to win. So I think that Golden, I think that Boston can do things to slow down Golden State and to get them in a, into a place where Boston can catch them. Um, I will say that, you know, they've got to get, they've got to get consistently great offense, and that's been a problem all season. They have to get consistently great offense. It's been better over the last month. It's been really good over the last month, but that's where they have to be at the whole time and they have to get a little better. And the big key here, um, because, you know, Celtics fans have not had to face the Warriors in the series. Um, having covered so many of these series through the years, this is the big thing. You can't waste any opportunity. If the Warriors have a down shooting game, you have to beat them. Uh, if they have a game where their defense slips, you have to beat them. Uh, if they're, if they make key mistakes down the stretch, you have to beat them. Like, their margin of error is very high and yours is tiny and you <laughs> cannot miss opportunities. But I still think that with the, there's a reason that the Warriors just go out of their way to log and, um, you know, compliment the Celtics. And it's that they realize that that team plays the right way, the way that they do. And they know that that's a, t- that's a tougher team to beat. And th- this is, you know, a little while considering that that inherently means that, you know, teams that they like, Houston, I don't think they respect the way that they play, even though Houston could have beaten them last year. But they have a very aesthetic way of looking at the game. I think Boston matches that. I know you saw this. Jeff Goodman hosts the Good and Plenty podcast here on the CLNS Media Network as well. He said after that game, that loss to the Warriors, an anonymous Warriors player told him Gordon Hayward is a liability on both ends of the court. It's a huge story, and we know he hasn't been good but has it been that bad to the level where Hayward is actively hurting Boston? I haven't seen it be that bad. I've seen it be rough, um, obviously, but I haven't seen it be that bad because part of it is like Hayward still knows where to be. He still he still he still knows like where he needs to be on the court and how to get there. And you know, I think part of, of what will be interesting is in a series, are you really going to isolate Hayward? I, do you really want to go at Gordon Hayward over and over and over again? And uh, especially a couple months from now when he may be you know, playing better. I- I'm not ready to bury him yet. It's clear that, you know, I mean, look, the Warriors, it's a pretty honest quote. And the players that I would imagine saying that are not really – there's no tactical advantage to the Celtics saying that. There's not. There's no, there's no advantage for them saying that. They're just being honest that he's not able to move. Um, but I-, I do think that there's still a capacity there. And the other thing is Boston – look, Boston's covered up way worse – players than that they've made <laughs> offensive allowances for marcus smart and they've made defensive allowances for isaiah thomas mm-hmm. and still managed to be effective in both of those areas with those guys so like you know prior to this year when marcus started shooting really well but you know that they, they are there's brad stevens is a good enough coach i think he'll figure out a way to compensate and i think hayward will raise his level to where it needs to get to is there any chance, though, you think that by the playoffs, so a few months away, Hayward can be the player he was toward the end there in Utah, or is this just a, a wait till next year situation? I think he can get there. You know, I've just I've seen too many players that have rough years and then have a down moment, or have great years and then have a down moment. The playoffs are 
it's small sample. It's really contextual. It's just really contextual. Um, the bigger key may be, can they get there? Can they get, if, if he's not a hundred percent, not a hundred percent, if he's not 80%, can they get past Milwaukee? Can they get past Toronto? I mean, they can definitely get past Philly. Can they get past those other, other, whoever they face in the Eastern Conference Finals? Seeding is going to matter. Timing is going to matter. All of these things are going to factor in um, because I think the, the I think Hayward might be able to get there for a series. I don't think that he can reach the level that they're going to need in three series based off of what they kind of wanted when they signed him. What do you need to see out of Hayward down the stretch here that you haven't to this point so far as he's been working his way back from that gruesome leg injury? Comfort level. Yeah, you know, not so much of it. He just he never looks comfortable. But there are stretches where it's like, all right, he found a rhythm, he found a groove. But overall, it, it always seems like he's it, it's fits and starts. And I think that's really tough for a player of his type to get where he needs to go offensively or defensively. He just never seems in rhythm. And that, that to me, is a bigger deal than the physical limitations or anything else. Um, he's still trying to get used to a new body, basically. And... Uh, that comfort thing is not something you can force. It's not something you can create. It's not something you can train your way into. It only comes with time. Before I let you go, let's kind of go full circle with this show a little bit. We started in part with the trade deadline, knowing full well the Celtics cannot acquire Anthony Davis this year without dealing Kyrie Irving, but they can go for just about anybody else, depending on what they're willing to give up. With the trade deadline coming up February 7th, do you think the C's, based on what you've seen so far, need to make a move for an impactful player, not just a, you know, end-of-the-bench kind of guy? Not unless one falls in their lap, and I'm not sure who that would be at this point. You know, I don't know. Because part of it is, why would you, <laughs> until Davis is traded, why would you possibly part with any know, sort of asset? Powder, so <laughs> right. Like, that's the key is, as long as Davis is a Pelican, the Celtics have to say, we'll be happy to talk to you after the Anthony Davis situation is resolved. <laughs> Once that happens, you know, we're – and they may even say, like, look, all right, if Davis gets traded to L.A., we're willing to talk about Rozier for whatever. Um, but that has to be the starting conversation. Until until you're out of the Anthony Davis conversation, you stay in the Anthony Davis conversation. Well, and, you know, people seem it, – it comes up all the time. I'm sure you see it on Twitter all the time. It, it always really comes back to Terry Rozier when it's a conversation over who would the Celtics get rid of, who should the Celtics get rid of, because we know he has not had a great year readjusting to being a reserve except for those – half dozen games that he has had the opportunity to start with Kyrie Irving out. But I, I, I feel like there's been sort of a, a failure to regularly recognize, look, this guy is depth. He can be good on some nights. He will be bad on some nights. But the bottom line is he is here for Kyrie Irving insurance because no matter what Kyrie says, and he has said a lot about his future over the last several months, we don't know until pen is put to paper that he is going to be back come July 1st. Yeah, and and here's the thing: is like you want to go into certain things with assumptions. Like you want to go into all these conversations with assumptions about, um, like, well, Kyrie's going to resign. Like he said, he was going to, and no matter what the noise is, like he wouldn't have gone that far. And the Celtics are so good. How could he walk away? And then you realize, like, Kyrie Irving walked away from LeBron James. Like he he looked at the best player in the world and said, "No, nah, I'm good. Thanks, thanks for the title. I'm out." Um, so. The thing we've learned in the NBA is that there's just nothing you can take for granted. There's just not. There's just nothing. You, I mean, look at think about the Pelicans last, you know, what ten months yeah. less than that, like nine months. They they swept the Blazers in the first round. Looked dominant. The future was so bright for them. They had they were going to get boogie back. Like everything was lining up, and now they're here. 
uh, it can change that quickly for you. But I think the Celtics also know, like, their organizational structure, the talent that they have, um, and everything. They, they have a lot going their way. I don't think they have to do anything to keep Kyrie Irving. Like, <laughs> look, we, you know, their, their pitch is, well, look, we, <laughs> we signed Al Horford. We signed Gordon Hayward. We traded for you. Like, we put a good enough team to contend. You know that. And we'll continue to do that. And so, like, they have to trust that they've done enough and not let the, the, the process get compromised there. Um, but I can't rule anything out. Like, I just can't anymore. This is the way the NBA is. I can no longer – if you told me, like, Kyrie Irving is traded on the trade deadline, I would be amazed and shocked. But I wouldn't be, like, unable to process it. I'd be like, <laughs> that's the NBA. Matt Moore from the Action Network. Uh, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you hopping on. Say hey to my buddy Rob Perez, would you? Will do, man. Thanks so much. All right. We'll do it again soon down the line for sure. Again, Matt Moore from the Action Network. Really great stuff from Matt. A lot of great theories, a lot of different things to process as well. What a way to start a week, right? So we're going to get out of here. I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Get your new wireless plan and free shipping on the SIM card for just $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash podcast. Show also brought to you by 1 in 100. Want to buy tickets at an affordable price? Just log on to one in100.co. Thanks to Matt, my producer Evan Valenti. Thanks to Nick, to Larry, to John, everyone else at CLNS Media for making these shows possible week to week. We always enjoy it. We will, I promise you, get back to our regular Sundays very soon. But special occasion, you know what? I'm glad I waited because this right here wouldn't have fallen into our laps here on a Monday morning. A ton, a ton to go over with Anthony Davis. It's going to be a fascinating next couple of weeks especially. And if he's not dealt... Celtics fans, you ought to feel pretty good about where Danny Ainge and the Seas stand going into the summer right around July. All right, follow us on Twitter. Get me at Adam M. Kaufman. You can follow all the CLNS media coverage on YouTube as well. Plenty of videos posted there. A lot of great sound press conferences across sports. So you get lots of Patriots stuff there as well as they get ready for the Super Bowl in Atlanta. I'll be there, which means Evan Valenti likely doing the next show. But uh, don't worry, Celts will not be far from mine. Get me on Twitter and we'll debate as we always do. And subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes at Celtics. You can just search for it. It'll pop up. Celtics Beat, the name of the show. As you know, you're listening. Get us on Stitcher and wherever else. Okay, I'm rambling. Gotta go. Play us out, Gino. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.